0: Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic. Joined, as always, by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. We took a little break. I went to the bottom of the planet in Chile for a while. I'm finally back. It seems, Ann, like everything went well for the first week of July. The house is still standing.
1: Hey, we did great. <laughs> but um, you got to see an eclipse. Tell me about it.
0: Yeah, so uh, I, I decided to... Uh, take 4th of July off and, and uh, save the fireworks for another time and have this really cool cultural experience and scientific experience, really. I mean, it was I, I, I previewed it the last time we were talking, but there was this total solar eclipse uh, that you could only really see in the northern part of Chile or in Argentina. So we went to totality uh, in this um, coastal region of Chile, which is the desert, the clearest skies really in the world more or less, if you've seen the documentary Nostalgia for the Light, it's kind of about that region, so the, the night is really clear and the crazy thing about a, the solar eclipse is that as much as photos can sort of capture what it's like, you really there is absolutely nothing that can prepare you for seeing this giant shiny black ball in the sky for two 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 and a half minutes, and you have to be in total totality because if you go to say 99.9% totality, which would be like right below or above the moon's shadow, it would still be too bright. But what happens is you watch this thing, as I'm sure a lot of people have done, uh, you know, wearing eclipse glasses, and you're looking at a partial eclipse, you see the moon start to look like, or the sun start to look like a piece of cheese with bites being taken out of it. But once that final bite is taken, you take the glasses off, the temperature drops, it gets dark outside, the stars come out, the birds go to sleep. And all of a sudden, it just feels like something's wrong like you're in this science fiction experience and it's everyone around you is experiencing it so I'll tell you very quickly for me what was what it was like was I was at this at this tiny town in the middle of the desert called La Higuera it's like an old mining town but it was filled with thousands of people and so it was like everyone was like sort of shouting and honking their car horns and stuff right up until the moment that it happened and then when it happened it was like a hush a hush came over a crowd of thousands of people and everyone's kind of looking at the sky, not quite knowing how to process it. But then the moment it's over and the sun comes back out, it, it's like you're on this elevated plane. Like you've just seen something that didn't exist before. And I really feel like it's important to point out, you know, this is like a part of the universe that we often take for granted. It like the night sky is like filled with all this amazing visual information that we just don't pay enough attention to. And it was just a nice opportunity. You know, we spent a lot of time in dark rooms looking at recorded images to, to kind of step out of that and look at one that was, like, completely natural. So that was my experience. Good for you. Um,
1: I, it sounds wonderful. It sounds very different from whatever versions of that I've experienced, you know, over the years um, on top of rooftops and urban settings. It just doesn't sound, you know, in daylight. It just doesn't yeah. sound... You know, nearly uh, as in, it, it makes me want to, you know, try to go to one yeah, of these things. So the next
0: one is, is in the south of Chile. It's actually in Chile again. And um, it'll be in December 2020. And the one after that, they predict these years and years and years in advance. The next one after that is in Antarctica. So if you want to get into the eclipse chasing game, start booking <laughs> your your tour now. You really got a lot of the world you can check out. But it's an well, amazing good for you too. Someone should make a documentary about the people who chase these things. It's like, you know, amateur astronomers, astrophysicists, but also just like really interesting, kind of worldly people who just like to travel around. And so it's it's a nice way to meet people. But what's been so, going on in well, the? Well, you, uh, I mean, world?
1: basically, what's going on over in the summer in Hollywood is not very much because um, everybody goes on vacation over over that long holiday. So I did a lot of catching up. I, I ended up watching uh, for the first time, uh, for example, on HBO <laughs> Justice League. <laughs> and I was like, stunned by the fact that this major Hollywood studio movie was released, you know, with all the money and all the, you know, extraordinary resources that they have with this character, uh, Superman, played by Henry Cavill whose face was weirdly altered by computer graphic effects. And I was like, what the hell? Did they have a, a like, didn't, did Chris, did, did, did he not show up, this actor, and they had to, like, create him from the beginning, from, from CGI or what? It turned out he had a mustache for Mission Impossible, and they had to sort of work around his mouth to take off the mustache. And I'm, I, and it look, you can see it. It's yes, so you can. obvious. I
0: like how you just discovered that Justice League is a really bad movie. By the way, you you, you made it this far. I skipped to- <laughs> it. I skipped
1: it because because I didn't have to see it. But in a it's way, so you bad. do. I mean, the way that oh, Hol- I was thinking about this, the way that Hollywood works, because I watched, I watched Aquaman on an airplane over my neighbor's shoulder, silent. This is how I watch. Well, that movie. actually sounds kind of cool. That was fine. I got it. Part. Believe me. I got it. But, and I could see that it was a, you know, beautifully good looking and all that stuff. But it's, you know, there are, there are two major franchises dominating Hollywood, DC and Marvel. I've, I've seen all the Marvel movies. So, you know, whatever. Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, it's like they still, the thing is, there, there's also been the, movie, was, you know, the,
1: the Wonder Woman's coming up too. So, yeah, this, Wonder Woman's coming up. And don't that. forget,
0: oh, and don't forget Joker this fall. I mean, DC has basically less been less successful in terms of, world building than they have been with very specific kind of you know success stories with individual characters and so they've
1: embraced that they've embraced the idea that they have to just let the director run the show and and uh you know they've gone back to the way they did it before um by the way the one that was really good was 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 shazam which was new line that was excellent
0: i was a little underwhelmed honestly it felt like a like this kind of it just was kind of silly YA quality to it that, that got kind of tedious for me after a while. The tone so worked for me and
1: it was, it was entertaining and it, it was lively and I thought the lead character was a new, a new approach that I hadn't seen before. It was fresh. I hadn't seen that actor before. It was, it it, it surprised me in a way, sort of the way guardians of the galaxy came out of nowhere. You know, well, I it think just we're had in, a different uh,
0: tone. Yeah. I think we're in a, in a notable transitional moment right now for superhero movies coming off of Endgame, game and, and who knows what this next marvel announcement is at comic con this month with their next slate of movies we don't really know what that's going to look like but now there's the Chloe
1: Zhao right we know that yeah. one
0: we know that, that there's that the eternals we know even though they haven't confirmed it they're doing some kind of black widow thing but we don't know like the the plan for the next cycle yeah, yeah they have, a, so plan. The is, they have a plan we know they have a plan It's interesting because
1: they're actually going to Comic-Con whereas the rest of Disney and as we know, Disney is the Monopolistic studio behemoth Borg that's swallowing up Hollywood and dominating the box office and driving lesser mortals out of existence um, at this point. Um, and and the Lion King is the new is the new great example of this. The ultimate live action quote unquote remake. Um, but we'll get to that. They're, they're going to be showing all their stuff at D23 in August, and uh, so they're notably missing from from Comic Con. But they will do uh, a Marvel presentation for this purpose. So uh, Marvel so belongs cool. at Comic-Con, obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah. I do not
1: have, have to go, thank you very much. Oh we my have God. many I, others I, making the trek.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, so, somehow I've managed to avoid it so, so no, far. No, I went for and, years. Yeah. I loved yeah. it, but,
1: you know. I, I like going
0: uh, to the New York one sometimes. I mean, I like comic book culture itself, but the the kind of marketing promotional insanity of Comic-Con and the, and the way in which it plays, off of maybe exploits the fan hysteria now is not something that i'm, I'm particularly enthused about
1: well so. it's just huge in a way that makes you know it dwarfs think about the scale of something like south by southwest and put it on steroids like times five you know and it's just on such a scale just in terms of navigating the streets and it's fun to look at all the cosplay and it's it's Fun to be in Hall H, but getting the passes—which reminds me—I have to get some passes for some of our people who are going down. Getting into Hall H is a is a, high, a serious hassle.
0: I will know. gladly watch it from afar. Indeed, and there are many, there are ways we can do that.
1: So, as far as lying King goes, um, I know that you were on a long, delayed, horrible uh, flight <laughs> from hell. Um, it was more um,
0: like four flights when you really break it down, because it was like I one flight that got canceled and then I had to spend an extra day in Santiago which fine cool spot but then the next flight got like diverted to Costa Rica because it was a sick passenger and then they lost my luggage but I, I in spite of all of this planning I had two full days I was supposed to have before Lion King uh, did this big all media in New York and and just didn't make it back in time and they're not screening it again in New York before opening no promo screens or anything I wow. so have to go next week
1: there is another the all media it. here in LA. Come on out to LA. Yeah.
0: But, okay. Um, <laughs> I'll hop on the plane. Another plane.
1: You may not, you know, in the end, you may not think you've missed much. I thought that John Favreau did an extraordinarily good job at the same time that he made certain decisions that I understand aesthetically when you're animating something in 2D or even, a, a, you know, a Pixar movie in, in CG, you, you, it's stylized. There's caricature, there's movement in faces, even if they're animals. But if you're making naturalistic animals that are lions, there's only so much you can do before it, it becomes unreal. And they're well, trying definitely. to create a, a a live action, quote unquote, as I said, it's all animated except for one shot. That you're supposed to figure out, um, but but it, but it's it's really not a, a live action movie. It really is animated with talking mouths, you know, for lions and and it's flat sometimes. And the well, voice actors crazy. become way more important.
0: That's what we the, the fear that I was sort of talking through when we were looking at this before before you saw it and before most people saw it was how the, these marketing materials were sort of hiding what it looks like when the animals talk. And, and I did, you know, I edited David Ehrlich's review and, I, and I've, I've been enjoying reading the complex dialogue surrounding this project, whether or not it works, I'll see it next week. But, um, you know, just it's a fascinating kind of cultural challenge. Should this kind of technology, the fact that you can make a movie like this, just mean that that it's, it's completely a valid creative endeavor because it's very costly and the audience is do remember for the most part the original movie so what is the actual end goal here aside from the obvious Cash grab. It's Uh, the cash
1: grab, but it's also it's also the tech grab. So what they've done, but but the other thing that's interesting about this, and I I dug into it a little bit in, in a story that I did after attending the the premiere, because you know Disney's being a little bit coy about whether they're admitting that this is an animated film or whether they're going to submit it as an animated. My understanding is they're not submitting it as an animated.
0: Why Why would they? It doesn't sound like it would have a chance, right?
1: No. And 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 that's because the people in the actual animated animation and shorts branch would would be in mainly threatened or uh, disapproving uh, of this because in their it is animation. This is what I find fascinating about this is that the entire um, movie making apparatus has been moving the aesthetics of it, the actual delivery of it. If you look at a Marvel movie, if you look at Justice League, or any you know, why was I even questioning? the CG nature of a character. It's because they make CG characters mm-hmm. now. They make entire movies that are actually visual effects. And, um, and most, you know, the, the great percentage of the movies that you watch, it's not as obvious as it was in John Favreau's Jungle Book, which had one live action character and everything else was animated. So The Lion King is sort of the natural, you know, successor to that. It's, it's, it's the movies you watch every day that are animated and 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 yet those worlds are separated by the academy and other awards bodies you know what's going to be in the the Lion King will be in the running in the Annie's in that yeah, in I mean, that I race the, the animated, animated race. race
0: is it is it purely just is, is it enough of a technological marvel to justify this exercise like if you have this technology why not do something completely Fresh and exciting and different, or call it the Lion King and make the Lion King in a totally new way, just based on what I'm reading. Because obviously, I haven't seen it. You no, know, you're not I? wrong,
1: it's it's, it's very so similar simple, and right? very cautious.
0: Actually, why, why do that? I mean, I thought Ehrlich's at the same time, though. Eric
1: isn't giving the movie enough credit for what it actually pulled. Uh, it is a perfectly entertaining movie that is is Favreau managed to do something very very difficult that could have gone very wrong, and and the singing is fun and the you believe it and you're in the world. It's it doesn't pull you out. It's it's perfectly fine. It's just that it's not very creatively um, exciting.
0: Yeah, I mean that's just that's what what I find so peculiar about it all this, like the with the muscle of Disney involved, these remakes don't seem to be hitting that level of, you know, creative intelligence that say, you know, drives a Pixar movie to success. And you're putting so much time and effort into making this thing happen. And I know you can make money on it. You're bringing smart filmmakers into, into the party, I don't know. It just seems like there's another step here that needs to happen as this tech advances. Well, Make if it you great. looked
1: at right, if you looked at Jungle Book, for example, that was very, very, very different from from the original animated Jungle Book. It was more an adaptation of the Kipling
0: darker, novel. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it wasn't. You know, yeah, it's very, very it, exciting in every way. I thought, but anyway. No, so, so let's go be back. <laughs> let's go, so, bad. Yeah. But the other point is that that Disney Animation didn't make this movie. Disney Live live Action made it. Disney Animation isn't submitting it to the animation uh, category of the Oscars. It's going to be live action that submits it for, for visual effects. And the one Oscar, two Oscars it might get, are the Elton John ori- original song and the Beyonce original song. And Beyonce's in the movie so that she could deliver that original song. And she's not that good as a voice actress, in my humble opinion. And neither was Christ- neither was Glover. Uh, they were flat, you know?
0: Well, that's too bad. I mean, it's, you know, I wouldn't expect that of Beyonce because it's not like that's what she usually does. But it's it's unfortunate that that's how, how things played out. Don Glover is, you know, he's such an interesting guy to figure out. It seems like, He's best when he has the most control over his material. You know, he is an I agree. essentially. I agree with that. So, well, I know so it'll make a those were commercial, deal.
1: those were very commercial decisions that they yeah. made at the expense yeah. of I think of of the film itself.
0: So Well, it'll right. make a gajillion dollars probably anyway. I mean it's not the Rotten Tomato score ain't great right now, but it's it's tracking pretty well, right? So we'll see next week you know how how it'll do great
1: it's opening well um, in china already it's gonna be i'm not worrying
0: about how this is gonna do i'm not worrying about how disney's
1: gonna do in general a guy nobody
0: needs to worry about disney (laughs) no
1: guy lodge wrote a very good piece in the guardian which i recommend about why we should be
0: worried about disney yeah, eating everything and 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 destroying cinema. I mean, come on. Life and life Netflix life. is no
1: longer looking like the mighty behemoth that we should all be worrying about, as honest, as they're being something. competed with by yeah, everyone I mean,
0: else. They lost, it's it's pretty significant, but not surprising that Netflix lost Friends in The Office, and it's it's That's the what the studios should have been
1: doing all this time. They just gave Netflix a head life. start, you know. Yeah,
0: but I, I think on some level, what well, could be. A future for Netflix. It's not, I mean, I'm sure that they, this very deep pocketed and, and shrewd company has many plans in place. Is that it could actually be an interesting, almost like specialty division within the streaming wars, and that its original content could be really good and stand out because of that in a way. I wonder if
1: they're going to pursue that. I don't see evidence of it that much. I'm curious. I'm watching what they're going to do this fall as they line up their uh, award season, so so let's do that. Let's the, the, we're, we've got um, one of the things that happens at this time of year. It's sort of inevitable. The clock is ticking. Um, we've made our plans to go to Telluride. Some people are going to Venice because they like that festival. Some people are going to Toronto because they can get more done in a short amount of, of time. And 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 some people are waiting for New York. But we're gonna we're gonna be uh, looking to see what the opening night in Venice is going to be. And I'm, I'm going to say that I think the Pope is going to show in Venice, which is the Fernando Moraes movie with Anthony Hopkins. Um, that is uh, one of the Netflix movies. Um, uh, it's it's two, two dueling Popes with, that's with, uh, written by Anthony McCartan who did uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Jonathan Price is Francis and then Hopkins is Benedict who resigned. Um, so that's a possibility. Uh, New York, I'm going to bet, is going to get Noah Baumbach's movie. You've heard good things about this. With yeah, Adam Driver I mean, and still Laura I'm and very, I'm really curious about it,
0: but Yeah, some really good early buzz on that movie. And, and um, you know, Baumbach is somebody who's, I think, very reliable as a filmmaker, but it, it's, it's, there, there's just a lot of positivity around it. New York, maybe, and or Toronto, Seems like I want, to, I want to
1: see what title they come up with. Yeah, exactly,
0: I know it's kind of late in the game for that. I mean, the one.
1: Festivals are unlikely to have the Irishman, but we could be surprised. That's the I other mean, yeah, I, w- I would one. say
0: we still got a possibility for New York. You cannot count out the New York Film Festival potential there. So, as much as I know, you're reporting is sound. On that, it's, no, like, you know, it's a
1: question of how they, how far the visual effects de aging thing goes. And you know uh, what? I've been
0: hearing good stuff about his motherless Brooklyn. Edward Norton's uh, me too. Yeah. Uh, And adapted from the Jonathan Lethem novel with Willem Dafoe and and he and Norton's in it too. And Bruce Willis. You know, they had some problems on. There was a big fire on this set and stuff. But apparently, it came together really well. And um that's good. It, it's it's a it seems like a kind of a curious fall, right? We don't really know you know, what the big movies. It's not like this time last year we were like, well, obviously we're like, Roma will be a thing. We didn't know Green Book was going to be the surprise that it was.
1: Yeah, that broke so. out of out of Toronto. The well, focus be- has a couple things. They've got the Casey Lemons period drama, Harriet, with Cynthia Erivo as Harriet Tubman and Janelle Monet is in that, and Joe Alwyn. And then there's Todd Haynes. Uh, supposedly the title is Dark Water. It used to be Dry Run. Who knows what they're going to end up with, but they're putting forward uh, this. Uh, this is one of those cases of a, of a lawyer. It's sort of an Aaron Brockovich kind of movie with Anne Hathaway and Mark Ruffalo fighting against DuPont. It's based now, last it's I heard they
0: weren't, they weren't quite sure when that was going to come out or i'm back. hearing
1: it's definitely fall
0: well every every todd haynes movie is worth getting excited about He's yeah absolutely
1: you know, absolutely and yeah. i'm here's one that nobody's talking about and i want to know why what's going on with wendy the ben zeitlin movie
0: <laughs> well i been, mean I'm we've sure been waiting for be this up, for no. five years
1: how is many years movie? is it it's more That's than it five
0: i mean it's seven. almost like it's in tune with the kind of uh you know, whimsical, magical realism of Ben Zeitlin's last movie, *Beast of the Southern Wild, that, like, Wendy would be sort of this, this mystical thing we don't totally know that much about or, and, and when it will ever see the light of day. I don't, I mean, there, I'm sure there's more to this story, but, you know, this is a, obviously a filmmaker who is very exacting in his approach with a very particular kind of vision, and it doesn't sound like it's an easy movie to get right. It's also a bigger movie, you know, attached to a studio that was, I believe, absorbed by a bigger studio in the process of this right. Yes. So what does Disney want to do with a movie like Wendy? You know, well I mean, they're it, gonna it, let Searchlight
1: call the shots. They're not in charge of what Searchlight does. It's not oh, the same thing. Yeah. All right. So what Disney did do was throw out, and I sort of predicted this, not throw out, but push back um, and order reshoots. Um, on Scott Rudin production um, with Joe Wright, The Woman in the Window with Amy Adams, um, based on it's sort of a Gone Girl kind of thing, um, which um, is now pushed back. Uh, obviously, and out of out of the this is the time of year where the studios are starting to look at the movies that they have and figuring out whether they've got the right stuff, whether they're going to make it or not.
0: Yeah. Why it was kind of hilarious to me that. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog was originally supposed to open in November. I was like, "What are you guys doing?" That movie is obviously something that you dump in the first quarter of 2020. So Which one? Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, please,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's just, like funny to me. Bad astra has up. been
1: pushed back to the fall, yeah. So we'll see that. Well, I'm there. I'm not assuming that's an Oscar contender. You you it's really to hard to, to is. tell. Is.
0: I don't know. I mean, James Gray is that it's a kind of film that like he has never been in a quite an oscar film never that's but because he doesn't
1: that, make movies that are really you know they, they don't they don't have traction with an audience it usually. Every
0: time, though i mean it's like i i, I don't know I'm, I'm he stays really
1: resolutely in the art house realm
0: yeah no it's true but this is a much bigger movie and, and it, it is true that like a lot of these auteuristic types tend to have their sci-fi masterpiece that they really want to make. I mean, Claire Denis finally did it with, with High Life. But, you know, this is a movie with Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones and it has a lot of effects and it's it sounds like a, a tricky one to pull off but at the same time I don't know people seem to respond positively to the trailer and stuff so you know anything could happen in that respect I mean we'll see if it gets a festival slot or not that could be an indicator of something we don't well, really Searchlight know. Searchlight
1: also has the hidden world which um played it at, at Cannes the the it is it is the most beautiful World War II movie and even if if people don't believe in Terrence Malick anymore I have had my faith restored Um, and I think Searchlight will have to you know mount a a real campaign to get people to recognize what what he's accomplished here
0: yes so there's a a fair amount of stuff that we've already seen that could be A a contender in the fall, especially when we start looking at the fall and it's like not really clear, you know, what these big movies could be that just sort of materialize. I mean, The Farewell is opening this weekend. We've talked about this movie. That came out of Sundance, and
1: I've been hoping that it would get good traction all this time. Absolutely.
0: It didn't win anything at Sundance, but it got a big deal with A24. And, you know, obviously the media around this movie is really, really positive, not just the reviews, but the story of the film itself. You know, Lulu Wang this is this great breakout character. It's Aquafina doing her her first really serious dramatic performance. It's a Asian American story that a lot of people can relate to, and a family story that a lot of people can you know sort of access emotionally. But it's going to need to be this kind of steady build thing. So I, I assume it'll do pretty well this weekend. The question is, as it expands, is it going to become a bigger and bigger movie that people just keep talking about? Because that could really play into its favor in a season like this.
1: By the so, way, the Terrence Malick is called a hidden life, not not a hidden world. Eh, life saying.
0: world. It's all kind of in the same, you know, ephemeral Malicky kind of arena. <laughs> 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 you know.
1: So the fall yeah. festival should bring back another Sundance movie, The Report, which Amazon Studios is releasing, and they're high on it. They're going to be pushing it hard with Adam Driver and um, a very great performance by Annette Benning as Diane Feinstein. It's based on a true story also, very kind of uh, all the president's men reveal on CIA tactics. Um, it's, and- it should do well.
0: And, it'll, and but it's so, getting a,
1: a, a fast play kind of Netflix-y uh, release.
0: Yeah, and we still don't really know what the situation is with Greta Gerwig's Little Women, except that it's probably, you know, it's probably good. It's, it's not like, going to be
1: in the festivals, but yeah, it's a it's December it's, movie, that's why. Yeah. I so, hear it's great. I can't wait it, to see this.
0: It's It seems like it'll be a commercial absolutely you know people will want to go see little women and she's a good filmmaker it's just a question of you know what what's the profile of this movie going to be when it comes out in december and you know how is it going to be seen in relation to the other movies and and all that kind of stuff I i
1: actually kind of I, I'm assuming this is going to be a very anticipated and high-profile movie. Along, I mean, on the mainstream side of the ledger, you have a beautiful day in the neighborhood, the Tom Hanks movie from Mary Heller, based you know about Mister Rogers again, and you've got at the end of the year you've got the Tom Hooper movie, you know. But as far as the as far and for you know fair and balanced, the Jay Roach movie, but as far as the festivals are concerned. Um, well, they'll bring back the lighthouse from Can, I suspect. Yes, I they'll bring back the El Motivar from Cannes as one. well. Yep.
0: Yeah, I mean that's already getting like I was when I was in Chile, that movie as uh, Dolores Gloria was already in theaters. The El Motivar film, and everybody was loving it. You know, like there's already so much enthusiasm for that movie, so you can't discount that sort of thing showing up back in theaters and, and what sort of a profile it's going to have. I'm also really curious about Jojo. Rabbit, the uh, Taika Waititi movie. Yes, uh, we
1: may end up seeing that in uh, the fall festivals.
0: I, I hope so, because he's a great filmmaker. You know, I've, I've enjoyed his stuff going back to, like, Eagle versus Shark and Boy and stuff. And obviously his profile exploded with his Marvel Association. But, like, and what we do in the shadows to some degree. But but this seems like really like a, a return to what he's great at. Just kind of, like, singular, edgy Kind of humor, and you know, him, with him playing Hitler, it's like if anybody's going to walk that line and and walk right up to that line and maybe cross it and make people a little uncomfortable with the comedy, I think he's the kind of guy who would know how to pull that off. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that one, and um, you know, we'll see we'll see exactly how it lands in the fall. And I guess the the only real news of, of note uh, as, as it pertains to any of the stuff that broke while I was away was that the Academy expanded a bit as it does this time of year they added what 800 some odd new members do we think that that's any any of that's going to change the uh, profile or identity of the of various voting blocks this season
1: well um what they did was to invite fewer people than they did last year which is they invited like 800 people instead of more than that um and they uh they ended up with a 50-50 parity on the people they invited, so that there were 50% women among the people that they invited. But the percentages of the women went up, and the percentages of people of color stayed about the same, which was 16%. Um, so my interpretation of that is that they're running out of more uh, people to invite in that category, which is interesting. Um, they're going to keep looking, they're going to keep digging for good good people. Yeah. And they're inviting lots of people from overseas. They were inviting a lot. And this uh, speaks to our previous conversation. uh, The big numbers came from the VFX branch, and the animation and shorts branch, which is a, a sign of how many of those people are working on all those movies that we see every week. So um, it's a, it's you know, they the next uh, thing that's coming up soon is the election of the president because uh, John Bailey is leaving. So uh, is it going to be Ruben? Really again? You know, Why not? who is it going to be, you know, as, more, as the, as the Academy, you know, deals with this, you know, m- much delayed museum, which cost a lot of money and they're yeah. trying to figure out their identity in this sort of post-digital future. It's an
0: interesting time. It's a real open question, exactly how all that's going to play out. But it, it was good to see that they also, they added a bunch of people. It's, it felt like maybe even because of, you know, the expansion of, of new members recently, there was an the opportunity to bring in some people who probably should have been members a long time ago. You know, there were filmmaker types like Andrew Hay or Jennifer Kent or people like that and people from Sundance, but uh, you know, Richard Abramowitz, Richard Wolver, yes. you know, I was like, why aren't those guys? there was John Van I Coeur, know. You know. So I'm glad that those folks got in here. Absolutely.
1: Them. Absolutely. Well, the other thing that's going on this summer is that, um, A lot of docs are coming out, you know, so that the the way that the year works is that they introduce a whole bunch of docs, really good, high quality docs at Sundance. And then they come back over the course of the year uh, into theaters for a brief run before uh, showing up on some other platform somewhere else. And uh, last night I went to see The Great Hack from Jahan Nujem and Kamir uh, Karim Amir. Yeah. Karim Amir. and um and they're the ones who brought you the the square uh it is uh really scary it is yeah, so it's, scary. It's how Cambridge
0: analytica basically hijacked the election i mean you know.
1: not ours, not only ours, but how they got to that oh, how they yeah. how they went and did it with lots of other countries first, and uh really tipped it, found that core group of people who hadn't decided yet and using all the data that they could get from Facebook, uh, they could figure out how to reach them and how to target them and totally did it with, with our election, with Trump, with, uh, you know, crooked mm-hmm. Hillary and all that stuff. Yeah. When I,
0: when I first, uh, when I first uh, dealt with this movie at Sundance, although I know it was a different cut was that it's kind of funny. very
1: different. Apparently it's, yeah, it's
0: a Netflix movie. So it's like, It's all about like these secret ways in which, you know, uh, codes and algorithms are kind of controlling our world and being connected <laughs> to that on Netflix so, uh, hopefully it's recommending this movie to the right people who need a wake up <laughs> well it's to going it's going
1: out to 190 countries uh, later this month yeah, you know? so, so it'll good. have an impact I think it's it, I asked uh, there was a and a last night and I asked uh Jahan you know what what about Facebook you know um I haven't managed to quit Facebook. I keep thinking I ought to, but I, I don't want to. Um, and she said, no, you know, I want my Facebook too. She said, I'm marketing my movie on Facebook. That's the rub. That's why nobody, you know, that's why so many people don't leave.
0: Yeah, no, well, I, I will tell you, I mean, there, there are they're tricks you can do to these things, at least on your mobile device to remind you not to use social too much. I mean, it, even if your data is being owned by someone, you can make decisions about, you know, how much you want to, of that data you want to put out there and, and be selective about it. It's just, you know, make make peace with the fact that if you use these platforms, somebody else is taking advantage of them and, and you know, choose wisely. Any case, um, well,
1: before you go, uh, one of the other things I wanted to remind remind everybody, this is the time of year when, um, when we're also, uh, by the way, there's another film called Sea of Shadows that's opening. That's really good. It's an echo thriller about um, the kind of voracious. Uh, fishing that goes on in, in you know with big nets and and how they're eliminating certain species in the Gulf of Mexico and stuff. Definitely check this out. Uh, it's, um, it's it's pretty good. And um, and then the other thing that's going on is that a lot of people are catching up with television because the uh, Emmy nominations are going to be announced on July sixteenth, uh, and um, one of the big series that's co- that's playing right now um, is an, is a very fascinating example of what happens when an independent uh, filmmaker goes into a TV world and finds out, how that world actually works and this in this there's a story that just went up to uh yesterday uh, about that which i highly recommend uh from chris O'Fault about big little lies and Mm. andrea
0: arnold a true cautionary tale so next week uh i'll do my best to go see lion king and uh, (laughs) finally uh, dig a little bit deeper on that one and um we can you know, look ahead to If the there's rest any the depths to be
1: had. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll, I'll have some thoughts. I can promise you that
1: much.
0: And then, um, you know, we'll have the Toronto stuff to, to look ahead to as well. So, more to come and talk to you soon.
1: Welcome back, Eric.
0: Thank you.